0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, everybody. Dr. Mike here. Uh, Before we start this brilliant episode, I just want to let you know that Dr. Matt and I have started a Patreon account. Now, this allows for our wonderful listeners, i.e. you, to be able to donate to us every month, maybe a dollar a month, maybe $5 a month, Maybe $50 a month if you're extremely generous, but we don't expect that. The reason why we've started this account is you've probably noticed that the quality or audio quality of some of our episodes is a bit poor. And that's because we don't have the best equipment to record on. Now, if you're able to donate $1, $5 a month, this will significantly help us buy new equipment and create the best quality episodes for you. If we are successful in getting enough patrons, we may create tiers and we may be able to, if people donate certain amounts of money every month, create episodes specifically for them. Uh, please, if you'd like to donate to us, go to patreon.com forward slash medical podcast. Again, if you'd like to donate, that's patreon.com forward slash medical podcast. We want to keep providing you with the best quality free medical education possible. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's Medical Podcast. Today, we are going through adrenergic receptors. These are receptors of the sympathetic nervous system. Matthew, firstly, before we begin, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Michael. Good. Good to hear. Now, when I say sympathetic nervous system, what do you think about? Fight and flight. So, you're thinking about what happens to you when you get scared. Which I believe we have done podcasts on the
1: autonomic nervous system before. We have, yeah. But we're the next few podcasts or this series of podcasts we're going to go into more detail in the receptors, mm. which then will be the prerequisite for going into some medications. Is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah, that's fair. So for today, we're going to focus on the sympathetic nervous system, yeah, but specifically um, where the receptors lie. In a, in a locational aspect, is that right? Yep. Which will then be important for when we talk about the drugs that act on the sympathetic nervous system receptors.
0: Okay, That's cool. Is that all good? Sounds good.
1: So when we talk about the sympathetic nervous system, we're talking about the division of the, of the autonomic nervous system. So this is part of the nervous system that you basically have no control over. Yep. And this is the part that, mm, I, I guess we can say both systems, sympathetic parasympathetic they regulate the activity of organs and glands yeah is that fair yep okay Um, but when we compare the sympathetic versus the parasympathetic there's quite distinct differences yes absolutely so Michael's quite distracted at the moment because he's also doing a live recording. Like yeah, we're
0: live recording at the moment, so hi to everyone. Who's, there's five people who have signed in in the last one and a half minutes, so welcome. Anyway, what, are they seeing you? They're seeing me because you don't want to be on the camera.
1: <laughs> um, so they're facing, because the camera's facing you, um,
0: it's their whole uh, experience is your head. Is my head while I'm looking at you. So um, so we're in my office. In Matt's office. Okay. So, okay. <clears throat> let me begin so with... So if Mike's distracted today, it's because he's looking at himself. Yeah, I'm usually distracted <laughs> because I'm looking at myself most times. Most times. All right. Sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight, stress response. This gets activated in times of fear or stress or anxiety. Yep. And basically, it stimulates, like you said, a part of the nervous system that gets activated to keep us in homeostasis yep. while we're stressed. Right. So you just got to think about it stimulates certain physiological responses that try to keep us alive in these times of stress. And so the types of things, think about what it, what happens to you when you get scared. And if you were to look into the mirror, how do you look when you get scared? Uh,
1: white, but I'm usually white anyway, right? Very pale. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> I, I do not get out like that. Uh, Yes, I would say your skin goes more whiter than it normally would.
0: Yep, so that happens because the sympathetic nervous system tells your peripheral blood vessels to constrict, so vasoconstriction, and the reason why is it shunts the blood from being peripheral to more deep. That blood goes to your skeletal muscles so you can fight or run away, and it delivers them to deeper organs of your body as well. Okay. So what else happens? What about your eyes? How do they look?
1: they would probably dilate in in terms of the pupils. Yes, so, so that's the black inner circle. Yep, that would become bigger,
0: and that becomes bigger to let more light in, mm. so that you are more aware of your surroundings. Mm. It doesn't mean the picture's better; it just means you know about more about what's happening around you. Right, and uh, other things include. So does that mean you would
1: have a better close vision than long distance? Because isn't long di- distance better with a smaller pupil? or
0: well, potentially
1: cuz isn't there is isn't the response when you are reading say a page and then you look further away
0: your your pupils constrict I think so and but what about the concavity of the eyes doesn't have to do with the I shape ju-
1: I just I'm just thinking in terms of photography yeah, yeah. when you when you're using a aperture of say 22 yeah, yeah, which yeah. is the higher one it's a smaller hole in the shutter
0: and that's for further away further away
1: well it gives a better depth perception let's yeah say. Whereas so th- if it's a bigger, a bigger um, aperture hole, yeah, you're not going to get such a big depth. So but I wonder if that means you're just focusing on the, the immediate right in front of you.
0: Well, I think what it's telling you is that the pupil's bigger, more light's coming in from wider distances. The quality of the image is poorer, mm. but you see more. So all you need to basically see in times of fight or flight is something moving, something coming at you okay. or further away. doesn't really matter what it is. You just want to respond to something that's happening. And so I think it just lets the light in, allows you to respond to that.
1: We should also note that um, this is not always a physical um, stimulus that causes this. It's not always, you know, you're running for your life. Mm. You could have emotional stress and mental stress. Yeah. And this would cause all the same things.
0: Yeah. Well, you think about it, uh, whether it's a physiological stress, a psychological stress is no no different really.
1: Right. like well, I guess my point is like we I know we when we tell our students it's fight and flight you're just almost been hit by a bus or a dog's chasing you but mm. sometimes it might be you are stressed from an exam you're about or, to
0: sit your AMP exam yeah right yeah.
1: or um, you're about to do a, a public speech
0: yeah I don't get nervous about that. no no but anyway so so, right, f- so, so
1: far we've got changes to skin yeah we've got due to ch- blood vessels changes to your um, pupil due to which to is the eye rating. yeah right? With what about? So you said blood vessels to the skin. Yeah. Um, what about
0: like sweat glands? Just while we're on the skin, what okay. happens there? So, do you think that you sweat more or less when you activate the sympathetic nervous system? It would seem.
1: It would seem logical that you would want to. Well, I guess if you vasoconstrict, and that's be pointless to temperature control. Yeah, with um, sweat. So I guess in that logic you wouldn't s- sweat as much. I think you sweat more when you're stressed. I know you sweat in certain parts like glab... Is it glab... Glabias? Yes? Well, skinless... Sorry, skinless skin. Um, hairless skin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I know you sweat there so you... Yeah, like, like forehead. Yeah, hands, yeah. like yeah. palms. But on your, like, hairy
0: skin? On my hairy skin. Yeah, skin with hair. Yeah. Like, well, I mean...
1: I uh, usually you don't have hair on your forehead, <laughs> like usually, right?
0: Well, I, I shave it, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> you should see me on the weeks that I don't shave my forehead. During full moon. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, as far as I'm aware, the, the sympathetic nervous system, we've got, hey, Jamie Chapman's online, just want to say, hey, Jamie. The, Hi, the three Jamie. Fs. He said the three Fs, fight, flight. I think there's five Fs. And making love. So, oh, I don't know what, making love's M, Jamie, I don't know what the F is standing for there. So it's going to be innovated by sympathetic neurons. Is it going to be releasing adrenaline, or sorry, I'm distracted by Jamie. Go. Oh, sorry. And when we talk about innovating the sweat glands of this hairless skin Mm. that you're covered in, is that going to be adrenaline being released? Or is that going to be another... I think we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, we're okay. getting to... You brought up sweat. I didn't bring it up. Okay. Well, I'm just okay, Let's move
1: deal. on. Let's talk about the effects of the heart for the sympathetic nervous system. Okay. So it, it appeared to me, logically, that um, when you're in that stress, stressful situation, you just need a lot more blood around your body yep. to keep alive. So you would want to bump your heart rate
0: up and it's force of contraction. So you increase the speed... Mm -hmm. And so we call that a chronotropic effect Yeah. and you increase its contractile force and we call that an inotropic effect. Okay. So you're saying that sympathetic nervous system has a positive chronotropic and inotropic effect. I would guess so. Yes. Okay. Um, What do you think it does to the blood vessels of the heart itself? Well,
1: again, it would make sense that they would dilate because they need more blood themselves. So that's the coronary vessels. Yeah. So they would presumably dilate.
0: Yep. Okay. Um, where else are we going? So you're saying that peripherally, the sympathetic nervous system constricts blood vessels. S- to skin, yes. To skin. and. But to muscles. But to muscles dilates, yeah, you including you... cardiac muscle.
1: Well, skeletal muscles, yes, because <clears throat> you're wanting to run away or fight away or whatever you're doing. Fight away, yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you'd need a lot more blood for the muscles as well.
0: Yeah. Okay, so that's the heart. What about our airways? What happens when we get active, activate the sympathetic nervous system to our airways? Well, one of
1: the things you'd be transporting your blood, um, you want more blood around the body, you're you pumping harder with your heart, you want to put more oxygen into it presumably, mm-hmm. so you would want to bring more air into your lungs, so you'd want to make their, the pipes of the respiratory tract bigger. Yeah. So that's the bronchioles, which uh, have muscle around them, I mean like the upper airway like the trachea, Even though there's a touch of muscle there, there wouldn't be much you can do to change the diameter. But Mm -hmm. when you go down to the bronchioles, then you can
0: change that diameter through muscle um, contraction or relaxation. And that's smooth muscle? Yep. Okay, so the bronchioles, being the smaller airways of our lungs, that's that's surrounded by smooth muscle. And you're saying that the sympathetic nervous system can play a role in changing the diameter of those. And if... The sympathetic nervous system stimulates it, mm. it actually tells it to relax yeah. and open up, so we can get right. more air in and out. more air means more oxygen, more oxygen means more energy, and we can if it's you run away or if it's me, fight another day that's right, okay, and so you can think
1: about that in you know the real <clears throat> emergency situation where we've we've heard people have like an anaphylactic response, yeah where they react to something usually exogenous like peanuts or seafood or pollen or something, Yeah. Um, the airways close up and one of the drugs that's given is adrenaline or epinephrine and one of the big responses to that is airways open up completely.
0: Ah, okay. So if you inject somebody with adrenaline or epinephrine, if you're American, American. that's going to be the neurotransmitter associated with the sympathetic nervous system and therefore it's going to stimulate the airways to relax mm. and then they open up. Yeah. Okay. All right. So there's some of the major effects. Well, let's still go into any more. One more. The other thing you'll need
1: in your body in this type of situation is we've spoke about oxygen. Yeah. Is the other ingredient to make ATP, which is the energy molecule that we need? Mm. Um, that's glucose. Mm. So just think about all the organs that would be important to. Um, Bring glucose into the bloodstream. Yeah, and so you can think about liver. You could probably think about fat. Um, they're probably the main ones, right? Where you, if you activate those th- organs, they will dump their products into the blood for further metabolism or catabolism, which will hopefully result with a greater amount of glucose being available.
0: So you're saying that the sympathetic nervous system can activate. Because it's stimulated by a stress response, it activates certain areas of the body that are storing glucose yep. to release that glucose. So it's stored glucose as glycogen, releases it into the bloodstream to increase blood glucose levels yeah, so, so that we can use that glucose for energy. So, an immediate
1: place that stores glucose in a different form is the liver, is glycogen. So, it would break that glycogen up for you, which would be called glycogenolysis. Glycogenolysis, yeah. And so, that will bust that up for you and dump it into the system, the Mm -hmm. circulatory system, as glucose. And then, I guess the other part that has a bit of energy store is fat cells. Yeah. And they would release their fat storage or, what is it, TAG's? Attacks, yeah. Triglycerides, yeah. Um, so that would be lipolysis, okay. And so that potentially would also occur.
0: And so this also plays a role with cortisol as well, because both adrenaline and cortisol are released by the same organ or gland. Yeah, possibly
1: a bit different, but yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I think that that's the main thing I was going to say.
0: All right. So. Oh, oh
1: sorry. Yeah. Also, that you have glycogen in your skeletal muscles, but I think they're more selfish, so they're more likely to use that for their own self. That's right, yeah. Whereas the liver's more selfless, Mm. and it's more likely to drop it off into the blood for you.
0: Yeah, that's it. The glycogen stored in the skeletal muscle is for the skeletal muscle only, but the glycogen in the liver is for everywhere in the body.
1: Okay, so we've spoke about, just briefly, some of the locations and effects Mm-hmm. of stimulating the sympathetic nervous system. Yep. Should we talk about the different receptor types now?
0: Yeah, I think so. So I think what people need to understand is whether you've got a physiological threat that's stimulating a stress response or it could be a psychological threat, like anxiety, for example, it's still stimulating a stress response. And this stress response is a sympathetic nervous system. It. What happens is coming from the central nervous system being the brain and spinal cord, you're going to have sympathetic neurons that shoot out and away from the spinal cord. Now, they shoot out and away from two particular regions of the spinal cord, the thoracic and the lumbar region. And so together, that's the thoracolumbar region. This is where all the sympathetic nerves shoot out and away. When they come out and away, they're going to be going towards their effector organs or their target organs. Which we just spoke about. Which we just spoke about, right? Pupils, heart, lungs, all those areas. Now, The neurotransmitter that's released in this situation is noradrenaline, also known as norepinephrine, depending on where you're from. And when it gets released, it needs to bind to receptors on the target organs in order for it to have its effect. Mm -hmm. Now, you can break the receptors up for the sympathetic nervous system. They're called adrenergic receptors because adrenaline plays around with them. And you've got alpha and beta adrenergic receptors. Now, the alpha, you've got alpha 1, alpha 2, and you've got beta 1, beta 2, beta 3. And they're located on different organs and glands. So all the, all the ones we mentioned. All the ones we've mentioned. And some you'll find both alpha and beta on the same gland. Sometimes okay. you'll find different types of alpha on the same organ or gland. And so it's, it's it can be complex, especially okay. when we look at the drug interactions, which we'll talk about in a future podcast. So... Do you think the best way to do it is to start at Alpha One and then work our way through? Yeah.
1: So just to clarify what you said, did you talk about? Because I, I missed the start. I was looking out the window. Um, cool. <laughs> like Homer Simpson. Um, did you talk about the two neuron pathways? No, I haven't okay. spoken about the two neuron. So pathway. just we because there's going to be some terms that when people study this, mm-hmm. um, you'll hear terms like presynaptic and postsynaptic neuron. Yep. And neurotransmitters and so forth so can you explain that I think you will do a better job than me
0: okay so when you've got these nerves coming out of the spinal cord to go ultimately to their effector or target organ you'll find that it's a two-neuron chain going from the central nervous system or spinal cord to that effector organ Mm -hmm. so the first neuron that comes out of the spinal cord is called the presynaptic neuron for the sympathetic nervous system it's a very short neuron and in order for that neuron to speak to the second neuron, yep. which is called the postsynaptic neuron, yep. it needs to release a neurotransmitter to cross that gap, that synapse between the presynaptic and the postsynaptic neuron. Okay. The neurotransmitter released from the presynaptic neuron yep. of sympathetic presynaptic neurons. Is acetylcholine. Okay. So acetylcholine diffuses across that synapse, yeah. and will bind to receptors on the postsynaptic neuron. Okay. And they have to be acetylcholine specific receptors. And there's so
1: these are these called nicotinic receptors. They're called nicotinic receptors. Because
0: so uh, because we found that nicotine actually stimulates these receptors. Okay. Right. Yeah. So acetylcholine's released. Binds to nicotinic receptors. Which is
1: the second neuron?
0: Which on the postsynaptic neuron, the yep. second neuron of the two neuron chain, mm-hmm. that stimulates the second neuron to send an action potential or a signal down. And it gets to the very end of that postsynaptic neuron. A- and that now th- that neuron is talking to the organ or effector gland that it needs to right. stimulate.
1: Yep. And now. The- sorry, there's, sorry
0: there's another gap that it needs to cross. Yeah. And so that means another neurotransmitter needs to be released. Mm-hmm. And this is ad- noradrenaline.
1: So. Basically, invariably, mm-hmm. the postsynaptic neurotransmitter in yeah. sympathetic will always be nodulin.
0: Yes. Okay,
1: good. Um, and just to go back to the communication between number one and number two, so the pre and the post, mm-hmm. you said the pre is very short. Yep. Um, but where the communication takes place is in that sympathetic chain.
0: <clears throat> so, what's the sympathetic chain?
1: So, it's just this big. <laughs> uh, it's a, so, there's. If you think of your vertebral column, Mm. okay, going from your cervical all the way down to your lumbar and to your sacrum, yeah. And if you were to look in from the front of the body, so if you could look through your chest and abdomen, through the wall, through all your organs, yeah, till you get to the, to where your vertebrae are, yeah. On each side of the bodies of the vertebrae, in around cervical region all the way down to kind of lumbar region, you have this kind of chain looking um, bit of tissue, yeah, which is basically um, where you have the groups of those pre- and post-synaptic neurons coming out of the spinal cord and communicating. Now, the reason why it's a chain is it, it looks like, how would you describe it? Like, I'm just trying to think of like a like, like a be- pearl necklace. Yeah, a pearl necklace. As if That's you were to one.
0: hold a pearl necklace and just run it down and the just top. let it just fall due to on gravity a, down on
1: either side of the vertebral column. Yeah. And so the reason why where the pearls are, the reason why they're kind of circular, is because you've got all the um, cell bodies of the postsynaptic neuron in there. Okay. So you've got the commu- it's a communication point, but the reason why it's rounded is because it's a ganglion, and a ganglion is kind of like a peripheral outside the. Outside the spinal cord of the brain, where you just have a collection of bodies mm. of neurons, yeah. and the the bodies of the neurons in this case is going to be the postsynaptic neuron. So that's neuron number two. Okay, um, is that enough? That's heaps. Okay, yeah, that's heaps. Um, okay, was, there was so something I was going to say, but I think that will do. It. Oh, the only exception. Yeah. Is we said that there's two neurons. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you said that the second neuron releases its neurotransmitter which is noradrenaline yep. but the only exception in the sympathetic is that there is one instance where coming out of the spinal cord that presynaptic neuron mm-hmm. which usually stops and synapses in, this, in the sympathetic chain yep. in this case gets stretched all the way to the top of the kidney ah. which is your adrenal gland Okay. and in the, in the most middle part of the adrenal gland is the medulla yep. which means marrow inside and within that kind of marrow part or the medulla of the adrenal gland all those cells in there mm. are basically the postsynaptic neuron okay. for that particular organ
0: so the adrenal gland is the postsynaptic neuron in this case yes
1: and so instead of but confusingly instead of releasing its noradrenaline like the rest of them do it releases adrenaline okay but it doesn't release it into a synaptic cleft mm. like all the rest it drops it into the bloodstream
0: because the adrenal gland is a gland yeah. releases a hormone and the hormone in this case is adrenaline right and so, so for all the neurons the postsynaptic neurons release nor adrenaline to, to their effector organ which effector could be organ.
1: could be a muscle yeah smooth muscle
0: in this case the adrenal gland is the postsynaptic neuron right. and it doesn't release noradrenaline or norepinephrine it releases adrenaline that's or right. epinephrine yes. and it doesn't release it into a synaptic cleft it releases it into the bloodstream mm-hmm. so it floats around the entire body which is okay. what hormones do and s- basically stimulates a full body sympathetic effect. Right. So instead okay. of
1: all the noradrenaline neurotransmitters that are released at the, glan- at the gland or smooth muscle level yeah, that's very specific and localized Mm. by dropping
0: adrenaline into your blood Mm. you can activate all of those so you're saying that when you stimulate the sympathetic nervous system you actually get a, a full body effect you don't really get to target certain organs of the body when you stimulate the sympathetic nervous system like you do with the parasympathetic nervous system.
1: Potentially, or maybe not parasympathetic, maybe more the somatic. So you can, if you stimulate your somatic motor nerves, you can like, in my, Mike's case, just target his bicep only and not move his whole body.
0: But we know that we can stimulate only certain neurons of the parasympathetic nervous system. Like you can just stimulate the vagus nerve to have gastrointestinal effects, right? Or cardiovascular effects without it affecting lacrimation right? salivation, things like that. So you can be quite specific with how you stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system. But with the sympathetic nervous system, once you send that signal out of the spinal cord, it's going to go to the adrenal gland and release adrenaline. And then that's now in the bloodstream. So it's full oh, Sure. Systemic.
1: So there's no equivalent in the parasympathetic where something gets released into the bloodstream to act on all the parasympathetics. But yeah. saying that when you have having your parasympathetic response of rest and digest mm. all the organs will that are innervated by those nerves will still respond so you know you're going to get pupil constriction you're going to get lacrimation, salivation yeah. uh, increased peristalsis slower heart rate, slower breathing you know, Okay. so it yep. will still all work together, it's not like you can just target your gastrointestinal tract only and not and you still have big pupils Let's say.
0: sure but you can digest and not necessarily have bradycardia
1: yeah, but I would, I would assume unless you're doing something that stimulates sympathetic, it would be hard to separate it. Like, you won't be able to run on a treadmill while you're eating hamburgers and... I,
0: <laughs> I'll i prove you wrong this afternoon. Okay. <laughs> okay, so... Um,
1: Did we cover we, everything? I oh, think we've covered just, it. Just one point is... Um, so all these neurotransmitters that we just spoke about, we said so we said noradrenaline or norepinephrine, mm-hmm. uh, adrenaline or epinephrine, mm-hmm. uh, these are what we call catecholamines? Yes. Okay, and this is just based on their chemical structure?
0: Yeah, they're made out of tyrosine. Okay. Tyrosine is the basic amino acid that builds catecholamines.
1: Okay, and before we make... Nor- we will talk about this next week. Well,
0: tyrosine and tryptophan. Okay. Because tryptophan so- makes serotonin. And tyrosine makes dopamine and noradrenaline and adrenaline.
1: Okay, so within, within the catecholamine mix, we've also got dopamine.
0: Yes. And is there anything else? Uh, like I said, you got serotonin, noradrenaline, dopamine. What about isoprenoline? Well, you can talk about that.
1: Uh, that's a. I think that's more of a sympathetic, uh, sorry, a synthetic created. I think it is.
0: I think that's more exogenous than it is endogenous. So okay. Maybe we can talk we about that when we do model. the drugs.
1: Yeah. All right. So, let's go into the receptor types then. I mm-hmm. think. So. All right,
0: so we'll start with we got like I said we got alpha one receptors, alpha two, beta one, beta two, beta three. Now just very quickly, beta three receptors for the sympathetic nervous system are located on fat cells, and we're and, with-
1: and skeletal muscles.
0: And skeletal muscles? Slightly. Okay. So if you stimulate beta-3, you're going to stimulate a metabolic response that tells you to utilize those fat cells for energy. Okay? Now, we don't really have any medications that target these fat cells, so we don't really focus too much on them because we've got no agonists or antagonists for them. However, it is a focus of research at the moment for maybe a fat fat loss medication and a diabetic medication as well. They're looking at the, there's actually a role in which certain beta three receptors have polymorphisms. These are slight genetic changes mm. on them that actually predispose somebody for both obesity and diabetes. So they're, they're in-
1: fitting together anyway, like with metabolic syndrome.
0: Metabolic, yeah, insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. The more uh, fat you have, fat a the
1: more likely you're resistant to insulin. Yeah.
0: So they're looking at f- targeting beta three for fat loss and so lipo- lipolysis. Lipolysis. Also,
1: there's apparently an effect with thermogenesis, so both in the muscles and the fat cells okay. through temperature control.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right, so that's beta-3 All right. ticked that's off. Beta-3 ticked off. So, so now we can, can focus on alpha-1.
1: Okay.
0: So, alpha-1, what you're going to find is... Should I talk about the cheat sheet, how you can quickly remember the receptors? I think we
1: could, that's our summary.
0: Okay, okay, okay. If we start with alpha-1, what you're going to find is that alpha-1 stimulates so when adrenaline or noradrenaline's released and they bind to alpha-1 receptors, receptors it stimulates smooth muscle glands and organs to constrict or release their products that's now these are smooth muscles glands and organs associated with the sympathetic nervous system so predominantly here when we talk about alpha-1 we're mainly talking about peripheral blood vessels Okay. that's what we're talking about and so if we're going to stimulate peripheral blood vessels we're going to stimulate them to constrict so alpha 1 when stimulated constricts peripheral blood vessels results in peripheral vasoconstriction and would this be when you say blood vessels
1: would this predominantly be more in the um, like skin like we spoke about yeah So peripherally so alpha 1 when they're active they will constrict blood vessels to the skin and that's part of the reason why you go white that's part of and, the reason why you go white and possibly cooler yeah maybe clamier
0: now, the other thing is when you obviously constrict yep. peripheral blood vessels, yep. just like if you've got a hose at home, when you put your thumb on the end of the hose and you narrow the what we call the hollow lumen or the hollow inside, you actually increase the pressure of the fluid coming out. So if you narrow a tube, such as a blood vessel, you increase the pressure inside, therefore increasing blood pressure. So if you stimulate alpha-1 due to a sympathetic nervous system response you increase your blood pressure. And okay. this is one of the reasons why you can become hypertensive. All right, So, we'll, and we'll get
1: into that when we talk about the drugs. So, so far we've got the blood vessels, particularly the ones that go into the skin, and what they'll do is constrict and they therefore deferred in blood away from the skin. That's right. Okay. Other things, so gastrointestinal intestinal tract?
0: Yeah, so because the... Alpha-1 receptors are located, like I said, all smooth muscle, glands, and organs associated with the sympathetic nervous system. That includes the digestive system, the urinary system as well. So if you have an overstimulation of it, you may have constipation. So
1: that's because with the smooth muscle of the gastrointestinal tract, because you're causing it to relax, the peristalsis... Causing it to constrict. Well, the constriction will, will happen in the sphincters. But the relaxation will occur in the, the majority. So the, the level of peristalsis or movement through your intestines will be less. And when you look at the specific sphincters, they'll be constricted. Okay. With, so with an alpha-1 response. Gotcha. And so you're not only going to have a slower motility, but you're going to block off all the sphincters.
0: And so what about urinary retention?
1: Similar. So we're with the, the alpha-1s, the sphincter in the bladder or the detrusor muscle is going to well, sorry, the juice is going to be somewhere else. But the sphincter is going to be contracting. So you're going to hold on yeah. to urine in a sympathetic or alpha-1 response.
0: So that means you could use, and we'll talk about it next episode, but you could use drugs that antagonize or block well, alpha-1 yeah. and it will relax those sphincters of the GIT and urinary system and could be potentially used for urinary retention, alpha-1 antagonists. Right. Okay. All right, shall we, anything else for alpha-1? Do you want to move on to beta-1? Well, alpha 1 also alpha has two. got
1: the liver, so you're going to have the glycogenolysis. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's the main ones I think we need to talk about.
0: Okay. So, do you want to go to alpha 2 or yeah. beta 1? No, go to alpha 2. Okay. Alpha 2 receptors, uh, these ones, these receptors are located on presynaptic membranes of the sympathetic nervous system. So, and what they do is when noradrenaline is released and they bind to alpha 2, these receptors being on. The pre-synaptic pre, membranes, post? pre okay. Presynaptic membranes of sympathetic neurons, it actually inhibits them.
1: So it goes back up to the communication at the... So it's pre, so it's at the...
0: Has both peripheral and sensual effects. Okay, so
1: what will that do? For?
0: It basically is like a negative feedback system for the sympathetic nervous system. Okay. So when you stimulate the sympathetic nervous system through some sort of stress yeah. response, it will release noradrenaline bind to alpha-2 receptors on presynaptic neurons and inhibit them from releasing any more noradrenaline.
1: Okay, so basically the majority of alpha-2 is just to dampen down the sympathetic response. That's right. Okay. Yeah. I've also got, there's a touch of a reduction in insulin release. Really? At the, at the beta-2. A reduction two of insulin release. In the beta-2 um, sorry not beta 2 the, the beta cells in the pancreas
0: so there's alpha 2 receptors in the beta cells of the pancreas and they inhibit them from releasing insulin correct to a degree that and so I assume that plays a role in maintaining high levels of blood glucose it would do and which would make sense because if you
1: wanted to use possibly of course. The, the main glucose it's going to be things on skeletal muscle which in terms would, of
0: activity
1: it's, it's insulin
0: independent in times of activity. Yes, that's right. So skeletal muscle in order to get glucose into the skeletal muscle cells needs an in, needs a glucose transporter if at rest. Yeah. But in times of activity and stress mm-hmm. it doesn't need that it's independent of the glucose right. transporter and can just suck it in str- like the brain does. Yeah. So you're saying that so and brain, what? liver and skeletal muscle in times of stress are glucose de- uh, glucose transporter independent or well, insulin independent. Yeah, and I think and I think say.
1: heart can utilize fatty acids. Which would then, ah. which would, then would make sense because um, you're getting a lot of lipolysis oh, as well. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah. All right, so that's alpha one, alpha two done. What okay. about beta one?
1: Okay, so beta one. I always think of it like you've got one heart. Yep. And so that's always the way I remember it. So beta so one, it.
0: beta one, one heart. Beta one found in the heart.
1: And so the thing that it's going to do is in, impact the nodal trans transmission. So the way that the um, the cardiac myocytes are being instructed to beat or the speed of them, Mm -hmm. but also then intrinsically on the the muscles themselves in their force of contraction.
0: So like we said, if you stimulate the beta-1 receptors at the heart, it has a positive chronotropic effect, so it speeds it up, Mm -hmm. and a positive inotropic effect contracts harder. Yes. Okay, cool. I think we'll just leave it at that, right, beta-1s? Yeah, but I also want to state that beta-1 receptors are also found in an area of the body at the kidneys called the juxtaglomerular complex. Okay. So the... Is that the, different to a- apparatus? Same thing. Okay. Juxtaglomerular complex or apparatus located at the kidneys, specifically at the nephron. It sits between the afferent arteriole and the uh, distal convoluted tubule. Uh, sorry, proximal convoluted tubule. Mm, no, I think it's Distal convoluted tubule. Yeah. Um... And there's a group of cells in between the afferent arterial and distal convoluted tubule called the juxtaglomerular cells. These cells can release something called renin.
1: Is this like the macular denser
0: cells? Macular denser cells. Okay. So they can release renin. Renin boosts up your blood pressure. Which so, makes make sense. Which makes sense because you want to boost blood pressure because boost blood pressure, more blood's pumped around the body, right? Mm-hmm. At a higher force. So b one receptors can stimulate this area. It's not as strong as its effect at the heart but it still has quite a strong effect. Okay. So it's beta 1 done. And then finally, because we've already done beta 3,
1: we're left with beta 2.
0: Jamie's just said, yep, it's afferent arteriole and the distal convoluted tubule. And so it is the juxtaglomerular cells are sitting there between afferent arteriole, and distal convoluted tubule. Okay. So now going to beta 2,
1: and just before I let you take over, because there's a lot more than just this one. Yeah. So beta 2, yep. you've got two lungs. Um, so... The beta-2 receptors sit in the bronchial smooth muscles. so. And this
0: inhibits.
1: Right, and so you're going to get
0: bronchodilation here. So again, it's it sometimes can be a bit difficult to wrap your head around the way the adrenergic system works, but sometimes it stimulates things, sometimes it inhibits things. So in this case, like we said, for alpha-2, it inhibits more noradrenaline being released. Here for beta-2, it's inhibiting the bronchioles from constricting. So it dilates those bronchioles. That means more air can go in and out. That means you get more oxygen in, therefore more energy. Okay. Now, the other thing is what while you're 100% correct, that predominantly beta 2 at the lungs, at the bronchioles, that's where we have, predominantly that's its clinical effect, yeah. clinically relevant effect. It's also worth noting that you've got heaps of, let me clarify what I mean by heaps in a second. You've got Beta-2 receptors also located on the heart as well. Okay. So what you'll find is that 15% of all beta receptors, so beta-1 and beta-2, mm. 15% of all beta receptors on the heart at the, now let me get this right, at the ventricles is beta-2, and 30 to 40% of all beta receptors on the ventricles is beta-2. Now the reason why this is important is because some people who have chronic heart failure have exhausted their beta 1 receptors ability to cope with adrenaline okay but it doesn't exhaust beta 2 so we think that in chronic heart failure the reason why these hearts can still work and pump in response to the release of noradrenaline is because of the still functioning beta 2 receptors on the heart
1: I think that's worth noting, right? Well, I think it also probably makes sense in this, in the sense of when you give a drug like a beta two agonist, yeah, like salbutamol, yeah, you will get heart effects. Yes. And yeah. So that non-selective. Be, so that could be a problem. Well, not even if it is selective, because you just said that there's beta two receptors in the
0: heart, mm. so you could have is not a... salbutamol selective? Yeah, but you just said. Salmeterol's
1: say... non-selective. Well, Meterols are just a act, longer acting, but. If you're talking about a, a selective beta-2 agonist, right, if you just said there's beta-2 receptors mm. on the heart, oh, gotcha. yeah, then yeah, you're going to have course. heart effects regardless yeah. if it's selective or not. right? True, true. And so a side effect of say Ventolin mm. could be heart murmur, oh, not murm- tremor, not tremor. Yeah. Uh, uh, dysrhythmia? Uh, no, not even that. What's it called? Palpitations. Yes. Right. Okay. Okay. So we've, you've said
0: lungs and a bit of heart. What else does beta-2 do? Um, as far as I'm aware that's well again it stimulates the cheat sheet is that it stimulates all smooth muscles organs and glands associated with the sympathetic nervous system but in this case it inhibits them
1: so you're going to have but you, go, you will have dilation of blood vessels to the skeletal muscles ah uh, yes so you're going to get more blood to the skeletal muscles so that's beta 2 that's specific beta 2 so you're yeah. saying
0: alpha 1 is peripheral and constricts yeah. beta 2 is skeletal and deeper and dilates right and that will
1: then give you some of the effects at the skeletal muscles where you get, um, like, tremor. Yeah. And that's part of where you get the shakes. With, okay. With a sympathetic reaction. Ah. Oh, okay. Because your muscles are stimulated both with blood vessels. Both. So
0: you can get the shakes from cell butamol.
1: Yes. If you have too much? Tremor. Yeah. You're also going to have a degree of glycogenolysis both at the skeletal muscle and the liver. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's the main ones. And and then if you go to the ciliary muscle, which is in your eye, you will get relaxation with beta twos Ah, as well. So so that's why you get the pupil dilation. Right. And then you're going to have a relaxation for the males Mm. in the seminal tract. So that will help with probably the last part of um, the... Active reproduction? The fifth F.
0: The fifth F. Jamie said there's only three Fs. He said fight, flight, and making love. So it's that fight, third, yeah? fight, yeah, flight, yeah, fright. You've already said fright. Say it again.
1: Flight. So yeah. you run away. Flight. Fright. Fright. fright scared. F- fight. Fight. And making love. That's four. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, I can't think of another one. Cool. Uh, and then you, you, then you're gonna have the effects to with the, this is still on beta 2s You're yeah. gonna have effects still at the gastrointestinal tract. So mm. you're gonna have. The relaxation. Yeah. Uh, at the bladder level, you'll have detrusor muscle relaxation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's going to be in conjunction with the alpha one. Yeah. Because alpha one's more at the uh, at the um, sphincter. Okay. But this is going to hold particularly the body of oh, sorry the neck. Of so the, the bladder.
0: detrusor sort of sits at the neck of the bladder. Well,
1: the more the neck, so it helps you contract
0: and push urine out.
1: Yes, but you're going to relax that, so that's going to result in a um, retention, retention, retention. Ah, okay. but as we spoke about when we did the autonomic okay. system we said that for some reason you get a transient sometimes a transient response parasympathetic response I and, so, and so
0: that's so why you s- urinate yeah, okay. and poo possibly. so you're saying that physiologically sym- the sympathetic nervous system should stop you from pooing and peeing correct but we always feel like we need to pee when we are about to do a presentation for example Um, And you're saying that that is, what, some rebounds? No, no, no. That would be instantaneous.
1: So, that's more like why, if you have a really exaggerated effect sympathetically, you might pee your your pants or poo your pants. Mm. Um, But that would be... Has that happened to you? Not me, personally. But I guess people that may present into emergency may have soiled themselves. Because of a a strong
0: sympathetic overload.
1: It would have to be a big one, so... uh, if it's a big adrenaline response, so it's not
0: a rebound effect because you're overstimulating, then you have a because re- you can get sympathetic rebound if I'm you're overstimulated. Sure. Not sure, not sure. Okay, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. I just thought
1: the initial sympathetic response, if it's a large exaggerated response, mm. you may get a transient parasympathetic response which releases, yeah, um, the bl- uh, the bladder and bowel. And well,
0: well the sympathetic versus parasympathetics always this opposing sort of one's up, the other's down. One's up, the other's down. And so, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the rebound effect.
1: So, that's everything, but I've, I, you have a better way to memorise
0: it. I've got a cheat sheet. Yeah, did that one. Okay, so the cheat sheet for remembering your adrenergic receptors and what they do. So can I just say one thing? <coughs> oh, yeah, If if, they, if they're
1: called, Let's just pause here now. Yeah. Um, if it's called adrenergic receptors... Yes. Does that mean the British <laughs> terminology trumps the American?
0: It must do, because no one says epinephric receptors. So so does that mean the Brits win? Well, I don't (laughs) want to get into that. All right, go into your cheat sheet. Okay, so cheat sheet is this. So think of alpha one, beta one, alpha two, beta two. So put alpha one and beta one on top of each other. So they're in one column, alpha one, beta one. And then underneath alpha one, beta one, you write stimulate. So that means adrenaline stimulates both alpha one and beta one to do their job. Or noradrenaline. Or noradrenaline. Alpha one Mm -hmm. stimulates all smooth muscle organs and glands associated with the sympathetic nervous system, except cardiac and juxtaglomerular cells. And this is that role of beta Beta one. 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 Then you go to the next column, which is gonna have alpha two and beta two. Mm -hmm. Alpha-2 above, beta-2 below, and then underneath all that, you write inhibit. So that means noradrenaline and adrenaline inhibits alpha-2 and beta-2 from doing their job. Alpha-2 is found in the presynaptic membranes of sympathetic neurons and therefore inhibits the release of more uh, More noradrenaline. noradrenaline. noradrenaline, And then beta-2, again, is all smooth muscle, glands, and organs, but this time it inhibits it, hence why it inhibits the lungs, uh, the airways. and lungs. So what you're
1: saying... Which seems counterintuitive, or yeah. but what actually happens? You're in, you're inhibiting the actual inhibition. So mm. normally the the muscles around the bronchioles will want to dilate, yeah, but they're held in check by whatever force. But if you bring in the inhibition of an inhibition, it, you get a, a dilation. And same with the blood vessels to the to the um well
0: stimulating the inhibition that's what i meant yeah, yeah.
1: so it's not because you would think when you say inhibition it would actually do the opposite but you're removing yes yeah,
0: okay so inhibition is its default yes right okay so now a person on the on the chat has said and i, I honestly don't know what to say about this when i get nervous my neck shakes what what should I do? I hate it when this happens. It happens in class when the teacher asks me a question. Why do you think the neck would be shaking if somebody has a sympathetic... Do you reckon it's sympathetic stimulation? Do you think this is just a specialised effect for this one individual? This is one way that they manifest a sympathetic response?
1: Uh, all the blood from the body goes to the head and it's their neck's not strong enough to hold their head up. <laughs> That's not true. That is Pro- definitely probably not just going the, on. Probably just the skeletal muscle um having the tremor and that's possibly for that individual is the what you notice
0: i think mean, maybe jamie said so jamie chapman everybody everyone everyone should be signing in and subscribing to chapman histology three minute YouTube. chapman three minute histology brilliant he said tension perhaps so maybe could be could be tension that would be happening quickly um, but Ma- like you maybe said, also the sympathetic maybe... overload getting the shakes, and it just happens to be the shakes in this case are manifesting. Probably or you notice it more then. Maybe or you, just, you notice it more then.
1: Maybe next time it happens, put, have a look at your, your hands and hold them out in front of you and see if they're shaking as well.
0: That's a good point. Next time it happens, check your hands. Maybe they're going to be shaking too. So is that it, Matty? Well, next episode we've will be gone. Drugs.
1: Through, we've, so we've gone through a brief introduction of what the sympathetic nervous system is, um, what parts of the body are affected the pre and post synaptic neurons, what what they release, and in conjunction with adrenaline at the medulla yep. of the, uh, the adrenal medulla, and the location, well, the different receptor types. So we have got alpha-1, alpha-2, beta-1, beta-2, beta-3. Mm-hmm. We've kind of gone through where they're all located and what the outcome would be, yeah. which I think has now set us up well for when we do the drugs, because really, yes. the two things we can do with the drugs is you're either agonize it so you exaggerate it mm. or you block it and so by having a good understanding of the receptors and their location so for students listening if you spend a few moments it will probably take more than a few moments but spend some time to really retain where these receptors are located mm. so i know it's hard to visualize with the podcast yeah but if you can draw out the body and or make a table and put it in a way that you can know now where alpha 1s are located, where beta 1s are located, alpha 2, beta 2. Then when you do your drugs, it's just simply logic to go, well, if you activate this further, you're going to get a more exaggerated response. True. Versus if you block it, you're going to get a diminished response. Yeah,
0: so you're right. So the first thing you need to do is know what does the sympathetic nervous system do overall in the body, and you know that because everyone gets scared and you can look at yourself in the mirror like we outlined in the beginning. Mm. Then you need to know what receptors are doing each of these points and then it's simple to know what happens when you agonize it or antagonize it with a drug. Perfect. And we'll do that in the next episode. Yeah. Look, firstly, this is the first time we've done a live YouTube chat and it's been great. Thank you everybody for saying hi, sending in questions and Helping us answer questions. Thanks, Jamie. You're a legend. (laughs) And we will try and do more uh, YouTube live videos in the future. So uh, what will happen is it will pop up and it will say, Dr. Matt, Dr. Mike is doing a live YouTube video on a particular topic. Feel free to join and ask questions, everyone.
1: Yeah, the questions will be good because um, we'll do our best to answer them, but sometimes Mm -hmm. they are...
0: Sometimes Matt's not smart enough. Yeah, that's right. And if Jamie keeps signing on, he can help